This is a story about something that happened long ago when your grandfather was a child. It is a very important story because it shows how all the comings and goings between our world and the land of Narnia first began. In those days, Mr. Sherlock Holmes was still living in Baker Street and the Bastables were still looking for treasure in Lewisham Road. In those days, if you were a boy, you had to wear a stiff Eton collar every day and the schools were usually nastier than now. But meals were nicer and as for sweets... I won't tell you how cheap and good they were, because it would only make your mouth water in vain. And in those days, there lived in London a girl called Polly, Polly Plummer. Hello, and welcome back to Books Are Back. I'm Ursula. And I'm Catherine. I'm Ursula's mum. Today we will be reading The Magician's Nephew by C.S. Lewis. So you didn't start with the blurb, Ursula? Um, no, so my blurb is quite different. I just thought that the interest that the first paragraph was more interesting it put the book into context and it was fun to read excellent i did think the blurb was quite boring so well done it's a very you know like the kind of thing you write in school you tell them what's in the book it goes in this book there will be a bunny who goes on an adventure right so you weren't inspired <laughs> rather than so there might be bunnies who maybe go on adventures. More inspiring. <laughs> so, normally at this stage I explain why I chose the book for this episode of Books Are Back. But, in another departure from the normal protocol, that's not what happened this week. Um, Ursula and I have both read all of C.S. Lewis's Narnia novels. I read them when I was around about her age. Um, I read them three days ago. (laughs) Well, I think you read them a couple of months ago. Yeah, like, I think I read them during some holidays. Right. So uh, we decided to choose together, and it's been a week-long project. Yeah. We've had all seven out. We've been arranging them in different patterns. I would like to give a shout-out to my friend Erin, and you want to give a shout-out to the people who who polled us on Instagram, don't you? Yes, some people helped us uh, by voting for different options. But indeed, at the, the end... nephew won. The end come Ursula's preferred choice of the magician's nephew <laughs> appeared to come out top. So, Ursula, I'll tell you what I remember about the magician's nephew and then you can tell us what it's actually about. Okay. I remember the magician's nephew as being a boring prequel... <laughs> To the much more exciting <laughs> The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe. It's I'm, not that boring. I'm not sure really what happens in it. I know that different children, not the children from The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe, no. different children go to Narnia. Narnia and it's the beginning of Narnia. Uh, but It's Aslan's song. And Aslan makes Narnia, does he? Um, but I don't remember many details of the story or why it's why it's an exciting adventure. And one of the questions this week has been, is this a standalone adventure story? And you thought, yes. Yeah, I think that the standalone stories in the Chronicles of Narnia are the first three. So this one, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, and then The Horse and His Boy, which is set during the time that um, Edmund, Lucy, Susan and Peter rule Narnia. And they're the, they're the main characters in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. They're the main they? characters in all of them except um, The Magician's Nephew and... Wait, no, that's a complete lie. They're 
they're the main characters in two of them. <laughs> right. So what is what happens in the magician's nephew? Um. Well, so Dickory and Polly. So um, they meet in Polly's garden, and Polly knows that her attic connects into the passage along the back of the the whole wall of houses. And they decide there's a house um, just past Dickory's that is um, empty. And so they say, okay, four paces for the attic, two paces for the hall, four paces for the maid's room, two paces for the hall. And then, so that's how long they walk along the rafters. And then they do it again for Dickory's house. And then they go in the door, but it's not the attic, it's Uncle Andrew's study. And so he tricks them into touching rings which I'll explain later, and they go to the in-between place. And then they jump into a different pool and meet the queen of um, a city, and they bring her back and to Earth, accidentally, or to our world. Um, and then there's a bit of a complication with a horse and a cab driver and some smashing into lampposts. Okay, so... Lampposts, interesting. So is that you're smiling there? Is that is that a humorous complication? <laughs> it's a humorous complication. <laughs> Why? Because there's a horse that drives into a lamppost. <laughs> it's funny. Um, it's just is it just slapstick comedy? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's slapstick. Are you huh. are you trying to hide a spoiler here? No, no, it's genuinely just slapstick. That's funny. Okay. And then they go to Narnia and they meet the animal. Well, and then Aslan sings and they meet the animals. And then Diggory has to... I think Diggory does something. Um, but he has to redeem himself by going to this orchard and picking an apple to revive Narnia. And the, the main plot there is the White Witch keeps on... Ta- the, the, um, the Queen keeps on telling him to pick um, the apple and take it home to help his mother. And is that, like, is he meant to be not tempted? Yeah. Is he tempted? I'm not going to tell you, that's the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so did you enjoy it as a book in its own right? Yeah, I did. I thought it was cool. And um, that compares with my assessment... Which is... That it was a boring boring prequel. (laughs) And this brings me to the main thing I have been looking at this week while you've been boning up on The Magician's Nephew. Can I take a guess about what it might be? What is it? Is it the fact that the reading order and the publishing order and the writing order and the chronological order are all different? It, it is. It, it, it turns out this is a massive controversy. So <laughs> I I noticed that the difference between us was that the first book I read was The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. The first book I read was The Magician's Nephew. And the first book that you read was The Magician's Nephew. And I wondered if that's why you found more charm in it, um, because you weren't thinking of it as... A, the before thing. Exactly. And I thought about this issue of the chronological order, which is different from the publishing order. So The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe was written first and it was published first. As a standalone book. Yes. And then the other books were written in a particular... Jumbly up 
like they tossed them all into the stew and then mixed them and spewed in, them out. In a particular order. And the magician's nephew came quite late. It was like the second last. It was the penultimate one. Yeah. So I thought that's interesting. Now, lots of people think it's better to read them in the order that they were published. But our edition from the 1980s has got them numbered in the chronological order of the time in Narnia. So yeah. the magician's nephew is marked one, which is so why my you ones... picked it up first. Well, yeah, my my ones were like colour-coded. I think the magician's nephew was red and then Land of Witcher Witcher was orange. Yeah. It's just natural to reach in for that one. And I remembered that when I was reading um, another massive sequel sequence of novels, the Patrick O'Brien Naval warfare novels featuring Captain no, Jack. No, no, we're moving them along here. Featuring Captain Jack Aubrey and Stephen Matron. I was given advice by a friend that the first couple were quite hard going and that you should just leap in at number three. And if you enjoyed them, you could always go back and read numbers one and two later. So I trusted that advice and I read number three first. Um, and I was enjoying them. So after I'd read number three and four, I went back to try and pick up one and two. And I have to say, it was a completely rubbish piece of advice. And I got really muddled up not having read them in the right order. And there's a there's a love story in those novels. In, and you goes, don't know how it happened. Exactly. It goes throughout <laughs> all 20 books. And I never quite got to grips with it. I was never very sure what state the relationship was in, even six, seven, eight <laughs> books later. <laughs> so I think maybe chronological order is... It's good. And then finally, when you reached the 20th one, you decided to force them on me. <laughs> yeah, well, I think in later editions of Books Are Back, uh, we will be reading Patrick O'Brien. Much, 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 <laughs> much later editions. Yeah, in, you know, five or ten years, perhaps. 193. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you find anything else interesting? Well, I stuck with this... I stuck with this this theme about the order, the reading order, the publication order, and all the rest of it. And what I found out was, you know, C.S. Lewis was really, he was a a big author at the time. He was, you know, appreciated at the time. This is Did not... Did you write anything else? Well, the, the, these are his children's books, but he had a whole other canon of literature which was he did a lot of writing about theology he was a convert to christianity and he wrote about that a lot does that mean like he used to be muslim or something and then he became a christian uh, no i think it was just he used to be atheist or agnostic oh, okay. and he became a christian but he, he changed what his beliefs were yes he did um so he he did a lot of work with that and he was also he was an academic at oxford university i think and he did work in in English literature and I think medieval literature. Imagine so, if you'd gone and he did work in science. <laughs> no, he didn't. He he um, worked in literature. He did, and he knew other authors. In particular, he knew J.R.R. Tolkien, and we might read one of his books later on. And books are back in a few years' time. Anyway, coming back. He wrote Hobbit, didn't he? He did, and I, that's definitely on my list. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Coming back to my thread, the point is he was quite uh, a central figure. He was well-known and people read his books at the time. He was a popular author. And I found that there are nice sets of sort of fan mail to him. Oh, that's nice. And there's one 
fan who wrote, his mother wrote originally, actually, to ask C.S. Lewis a question about the Christian themes in the books. There are Christian themes in the books. There are Christian themes in the books. Did you not notice? Well, you mean apart from the fact that, you know, Aslan creates the world, that's, that's the only one I've picked up on. Really? Like, God creates the world. Yeah. I don't get any other... Well, they're like morals to the stories. Mm-hmm. But there aren't Christian themes. That's interesting. Did you not... <laughs> I remember that I didn't notice any Christian themes until I got to the last battle. Oh, well, that one's dark. I mean, that one's about death and boarding and stuff. Yeah, I thought, I thought that at the end of that book, it seemed quite clear that they were going to heaven. Yeah, they were. They were. Is that... Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think no, that's very complicated. That's another episode in itself. <laughs> So, there are Christian themes, and Aslan is is often thought of as being a Christ-like figure, or God. I, or I a manifest, or a, well, Christ is, I suppose, a manifestation of God. I wouldn't have thought of him as as Jesus. I would have just thought of him as God. Well, anyway, this lady, mm-hmm. her son, was having a theological difficulty with the books. And she wrote to C.S. Lewis for advice, and they got into a correspondence. What's theological difficulty? The theological difficulty that he was having, I'm not sure you'll understand this, however I will explain it. The theological difficulty that the son was having was that he was worried that he was worshipping false idols because he felt that he loved Aslan more than he loved Jesus. That's fine, Aslan's a character in a book. (laughs) Well, the son was concerned about it. So... His mother wrote to C.S. Lewis for advice. And C.S. Lewis wrote back and explained what he thought about it and said he didn't think it was an issue. But they got into a correspondence. Well, because Aslan's a character in a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that wasn't the way it was explained. Because <laughs> C.S. Lewis had more insight, I think, into the issue of worshipping of false okay. idols. Anyway, they began a nice correspondence. And... They kept in touch about the reading. And when I read through all these letters, I really saw that this um, boy, whose name was Lawrence, um, I really saw that he read these books often. He was like uh, like a Harry Potter fan these days. Ah, he right. was reading the books so a like lot, me. A back, back and <laughs> forwards, through all the books. And at one point, his mother wrote to say, we're having a bit of a debate here about which order the books should be read in. I say, the mother says, they should be read in the order in which they were published. And she thought that maybe that C.S. Lewis had ordered them that way so that readers could gain an acquaintance with Narnia first, uh, as it was in its prime, um, in the Golden Age. Well, and then before it plummeted to its doom. And then the other stories about Narnia were written to explain how Narnia began and ended and to show other interesting periods of history. I'm plummeted to its doom. <laughs> the mother said, you can't understand an acorn without seeing an oak. So the idea yeah. would be that the oak is the, the, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Where you and see, then the acorns are the other places. Well, the acorn would be the magician's nephew mm-hmm. the, when the story is being planted. But, I think I understood the magician's <laughs> nephew just fine. Well, C.S. Lewis wrote back, And he said, Dear Lawrence, I think I agree with your order for reading the books more than with your mother's. 
The series was not planned beforehand, as she thinks. When I wrote The Lion, I did not know that I was going to write any more. Then I wrote Prince Caspian as a sequel, and I still didn't think that there would be any more. And when I had done the voyage, I felt quite sure that it would be the last. But I found I was wrong. So perhaps it does not matter very much in which order anyone reads them. I'm not even sure that all the others were written in the same order in which they were published. I never keep notes of that sort of thing, and I never remember dates. So that is the vote for reading them in chronological order. And they've been more recently um, in Britain published in chronological order. Mm -hmm. Rather Um, than publishing order. Yeah. And C.S. Lewis is right that he wrote them in a different order from the order in which they were published. And and that was really to do with pacing. Was he writing them in a way where he wrote one book, finished it? Or was he writing them in, actually, that would be a good idea for number 73. Write that down out of four chapters. That, wait a minute, the... I, I can tie that into this one. Or was he writing them one book at a time? Interestingly, I think there's a, there's a bit of the second there. Um, obviously, he says he didn't keep dates, but scholars have gone back to peer <laughs> through his diaries and work it out. And basically, what seems What's to have happened... <laughs> what seems to have happened is Lionel Rich and took ages and ages and ages to write. It took ten years to write. Oh, really? Um it, there were there were false starts and talking told him it was rubbish and it, you know it, it all was a long process. Was there a goblin that turned out not to be a good person? Um, but as as soon as it was done, he seemed to start make rolling a, them out the presses. Well, you know, he seemed to. What seemed to happen was he seemed to make a start on the magician's nephew to write about the the. Beginnings of Narnia. And that was because someone had said to him, why is there a lamppost in the wood? I, I, I know, I know, I know. Well, that's re- so he wrote The Magician's Nephew to reveal that kind of thing. I know why there's a lamppost Are you going to give us the... What's the answer? <laughs> uh, I think the horse and the cabbie driver come as well, and so does Mrs. Cabbie Driver. Um, and so um, the cabbie... The cab gets attached to lamppost, and then while... Lucy touches ring while no, um, Peggy, what she called Polly touches ring while holding on to witch, um, Diggory is holding on to witch and holding Uncle Andrew. Uncle Andrew is touching the cab. The cab driver is talking to his wife while holding on to his horse. The horse is somehow attached to the lamppost and the cab. When P- Polly touches ring, everyone gets transported there and no one bothers to remove the lamppost when they leave. Well, there you go. So, the whole thing. So he thought, I will answer this question. And he started writing it, but it was quite hard, and there was a false start in that one too. So he didn't finish writing Magician's Nephew. He went on to write the other books, Prince Caspian, The Voyage of Dawn Treader, Silver Chair. And at that point, he then went back to do work on The Magician's Nephew and The Horse and His Boy and The Last Battle. And he kind of stitched them together in various things. But... But all of these other books were written much more quickly. They took several months to write, not several years. So what was he cranking them out? He was cranking them out, and the publisher published them one a year. The publisher was holding them back Mm -hmm. and publishing them one a year. 
he's lucky that you got months to write them rather than, you know, two days to write them like we do in school. And we're literally cranking them out going, must add more vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) J.R.R. Tolkien told me it was rubbish. Must improve. (laughs) Four weeks later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was quite interesting to, to track that all through. And it's quite interesting to see people's views about why different orders of reading them will give you a different insight and I think it's certainly given us different insights I kind of want to read them in the way they were published now (laughs) (laughs) go back and try again so bearing in mind that I lobbied hard for the voyage of the dawn treader in choosing the books and that I don't know much about some of your favorite books uh, from the start of the series do you have a quiz on the magician's nephew you're not going to get any of these except the last one. <laughs> I've just realised that. Um, right, so um, when they're going into the... Right, there's something I need to explain beforehand. So when they arrive in this new world... Well, let's explain the rings before the quiz. Okay. Okay, so rings. So it's got something to do with dragging people about. Are they ma- magic rings? Yes, they are magic they're rings. They're magic rings, okay. So Uncle Andrew has fairy godmother. Godmother has fairy blood. So... She has magic powder from the in-between plates. Uncle Andrew makes yellow and green ring. Yellow ring, yellow powder, wants to get you back into the in-between place. Green powder wants to take you out. So, they put on the green powders and jump in a different lake just to explore a bit. And then this is this world, new world. Um, and so they, end, they find this chamber um, with loads of ancestors sitting there and a bell that says don't don't ring me or the worst will come but if you don't will you know what would have been done to try and like drive you insane to make you hit the bell Mm -hmm. and so but what are the doors made of that like lead into that chamber stone doors gold oh i'm sure there are stone doors in other feature in other books in the series <laughs> you're just going I'm casting about I'm casting about looking for an illustration that might prove my point but anyway, okay so yep. complete this phrase hmm? but they weren't thinking of speaking now they were just standing watching with their mouths open oh I was this going I was going to say aghast oh. which would have been the same as with their mouths open didn't it mm. Oh, sorry. Um, what's the city that the Queen is from called? Charn. Yes. One out of three. Raw. Well done, me. Yes. That's well better than you. I might have expected. That was quite a hard quiz, I think. I think it was. I mean, I'm trying to remember an actual sentence from my reading <laughs> 20... You've done it once. Five years ago? You've done that... it once. <laughs> It's really more than that, isn't it? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so would you recommend this one? This one? I would. would I'd you recommend, recommend more. Would you recommend the series? Yeah. I would say read them in chronological order. I think it makes more sense. Well, you've obviously, you powered through them. You've obviously got a lot from it. What, you mean? Because I read them all in the summer. Yeah, reading them that, that way has been good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and these, you didn't actually read these editions Um that I no, I read newer ones. Had from my childhood, but I'm glad I still got them. I was saying to the you, the pictures are much nicer in these ones. I was saying, that the, well, the, 
Are the pictures inside the same? I think so. But the covers of mine are lovely. They have little details, little sort of features at the top, at the top of each. So, for example, for the magician's nephew, it's got them on a Pegasus. He's not called Pegasus. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it is. They're flying to the orchard. And then at the top, it's got a guinea pig with a um, coin strap, with a ring strapped to it. The two rings, the chest that the powder came in, a vial that the powder has been mixed in, a book that the powder idea came from, an apple that degree retrieves. In the line of which in the wardrobe, there's Aslan and the children on the front with a cementric detail. And on the back, there's the lamp posts, the forests, the white witch and... Um, what's the other one called? The evil one? Edmund. Yes. Oh, yes, he's on the back, separated from his brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, so I, I used to be quite fascinated, especially by these little details at the top and bottom of each cover. Mm-hmm. I would say that the line the witch and the wardrobe has the worst details. It's kind of just some doorway. It's some cabinetry, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like some a it's pedestal the from the top of a wardrobe, yeah. Uh-huh. There's a really nice connecting detail at the end of... Um, the magician's nephew. So if you read that, you'll find out how the wardrobe was made. Oh, cool. Cool. That is exciting. And why it connects itself to Narnia. Lovely. I'll, I'll read it and find out. <laughs> Great. So, what am I reading next week? Next week, Ursula, you're going to read Anti-Robo by Anne Scott Moncrief. And this is a Scottish novel. Oh, cool. Is it written in Scottish? No. Good. <laughs> I can't speak Gaelic. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, good night. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Goodbye.